the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm a fan of the three-day weekend. There's a lot to be said about that. We are back here live once again, and thanks for being along for the Tuesday edition. Hope that you are well on this absolutely gorgeous day all across western Pennsylvania. It's The Ride Home. Kath? Nice Listen, it was a great three-day weekend, mm-hmm. and um, but when I woke up this morning, yeah. I woke up early, and it was so beautiful out yeah. that I just jumped right to it. What do you mean you jumped right to it? Like sometimes, you know, I, I've shared with you before that I'm a slow starter. You're in not the a morning. morning person. I'm not a morning person. Yeah, and when I get up, I need time to come to grips with things. Sure, yeah, I get it. And today, today? I, today I didn't even need time to no come grips. to grips with things. No, really, I I, I felt. Like I was in a good place from the moment of nice. awaking. Now, you're not a coffee person not or at a all. tea person. I am no. a cl- glass of water. Uh, I drink iced tea in the morning. Okay. That's fine. That's something. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it, I'll do that in the middle of winter if it's 10 below. Sure. So then you had a glass of iced tea when you woke up? Uh, I actually did not because I went to get my nails done today. Uh-huh. My friend Tiffany was waiting for me at the nail salon. Yeah. And uh, there they are. Very nice. Beautiful. Feel good about that. Excellent. Thank you. Tiffany did an excellent job. And I felt like I had to get things moving. Mm-hmm. So I just got mm-hmm. up, got in the shower, Go. went and did my thing. Nice. Yeah. I feel right. good about it. <laughs> Way to see how Tuesday come alive. Uh, it made me think of you today, John, because uh, as I was uh, at the salon, mm-hmm. took my mind back to you saying that you'd never had a pedicure. And Lexi, right. to be honest, it revived my interest in seeing John Hall at the salon. With a pedicure. Yeah. I, I, I'm not opposed to it. No, I'm okay, not opposed great. to it. great. You know, I've got that funky uh, ankle. That, they're uh, not going to, it's not like they're going to twist it around. Well, you know, it just, it makes me, I don't want people to touch it. I understand. You know, because it's been surgically altered. Right. So th- there's, you know. I mean, it's not, it's not though like when you get a pedicure, someone like shakes, shakes my ankle. your foot. That right. doesn't happen. There's no like. But There's also a- as a guy, you know, you're an interloper on the, because I would make everybody else uneasy. No, you wouldn't. You Nobody th- cares. Well, aren't they having conversations about, you know, blah, 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 and there's no. a guy sitting there going, Rrr. No. There are yeah. often guys in the salon that They're I go to. They're getting little pedicures. Yes. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Lexi, the fact that he's laughing, it's like, I mean, what's so funny? I mean, it's just he's funny. No. That's just, I mean, guys are, I mean, most of the clientele are women. I'm sure 95%. But, but there are men who are regularly in there. Regularly. Regularly. Yes. Oh, come on, Kat. Listen, if you I'm go, one and done. if you're, if you, no, 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 that's, there's no point. If you're going, you need to go regularly. <laughs> that's mean, how you keep your feet in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed. Okay. Okay. How about you and I go sometime? Okay. All right. We'll do it. Great. <laughs> the ride home. Lex, you're invited too. Let's go. There's I got a gift us. card. Okay. Great. Yeah. Hey, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll put it on the calendar. Tiffany will, Tiffany will take care of us. Now, how often do you do that? 
Uh, usually every month. So what do you do? Well, a month from now, a month from Wait, today. Wait, you did a pedicure and a manicure uh-huh. at the same time? Yeah. Holy moly. That's right. What's that cost you? Uh, $90. Gee. Mm-hmm. Minus the tip. Right. Whee. Yep. That's some cash. It is some cash. Holy smoke. Okay, I'm just doing the pedicure, so it's like 45 Yeah, yeah maybe 40 actually. Right. I think it's 40 mm. I think you can totally swing that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine. I want to see it happen. Okay, very nice. All right, it's Tuesday. We're talking about pedicures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about the news, though, okay? Yes, I'm uh, ready. we missed the day, and it's a very busy day for the news. So without further ado, Kath, please, won't you give us the top four at four? For Tuesday, May 9th, 2023, uh, it's my mom's birthday. Nanny. Yep. Happy birthday in heaven, that's, you sweet, sweet, that's, sweet thing. That's right. She would have been 91 today. Man. Happy birthday to my Aunt Dee, who smile. is 91 today. Excellent. Um, and uh, Nanny's somebody who liked a pedicure. Oh, did she, though? So that the apple doesn't fall apart from the I tree. mean, as soon as I walked in today, my friend Tiffany was like, I miss your mom. Hi. Yeah. So, number one, uh, late-breaking news. A jury has found former President Donald Trump that... Can I start again? Please. Late breaking news. <laughs> a jury has found that former President Donald Trump sexually abused E.G. Carroll and has awarded $5 million in damages to her. It was a unanimous verdict. After three hours of deliberation, six men and three women found him liable for sexually abusing and defaming the writer, but rejected the rape accusation. Keep in mind, these are civil charges. So Mr. Trump, according to the law, has committed no crime, faces no jail time. However, it is a significant decision. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot of conversation about that. Uh, No doubt. On the internets this evening. I'm a little confused about the delineation between sexual battery and rape. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what that is. Not that I want to get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's a good question to ask. Okay, uh, number two. I actually had this as number one, but, you know, it was late-breaking news. Pittsburgh City Council, John, will hold a public hearing in an interview with Acting Police Chief Larry Scarato before voting on whether to confirm his nomination as the city's top cop. Mm. Reading here from today's trib, Scarato retired from the Pittsburgh force in 2018 as assistant chief, having served in everything but the canine unit to major crimes, briefly led Fort Lauderdale's police force before resigning last year amid controversy over minority promotions. He has since filed a wrongful termination suit against that city, arguing that promotions were merit-based. Dates not set for the public hearing, which will give the public an opportunity to offer their thoughts on his nomination. Number two, or three, depending on how you're looking at it. A New Jersey family said, John, they're thankful everyone's safe after an apparent what? Meteorite crashed through their roof yesterday afternoon. According to a statement released by the Hopewell Police Department, a metallic object believed to be a meteorite struck the roof of a ranch-style house. It's oblong, four inches by six inches. It went through the roof and ceiling of the home before it landed in Susie Cop's dad's bedroom. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. She said, I did touch the thing because I thought it was a random rock, but it was still warm, mm. which was weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you think your homeowners would cover that? I would Meteorite? think it would. Space object? I don't know. I wonder know. if that's included in that. Apparently, the object they're thinking is connected to an ongoing meteor shower called the Eta Aquarids, an event related to Halley's Comet visible from mid-April to late May. 
Really? How about that? So it might happen here again. Exactly. Watch out. Heads up, everyone. Number three or four, four. depending on how you're counting. 20-year-old North Hills graduate Margot Malone, oh. who went on to run cross-country at Syracuse, won the Pittsburgh Marathon on Sunday with a first-place time of two hours, 41 minutes, 56 seconds, finishing nearly seven minutes ahead of the field. Mm. How about that's crazy. that? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that's terrific for her. Uh, and last night, Mitch Keller pitched his first career complete game, and Rodolfo Castro, thank goodness, hit a home run mm. as the Pirates snapped their seven-game losing streak with a two-zip victory over the Rockies. And that's your top four. Excellent. Or five. At four. Okay, so the game? One hour, 55 minutes. How can that even be? Seriously, it was over, and it was still light out. I love it so much. I was watching it live, and it was light out. That's crazy. When the game ended. That is such good news, Sometimes. Isn't it? It's light out when the game ended in the olden times, but it was morning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're used to seeing four-plus-hour games. and now, One hour, 55 minutes. Good news. And he was like a machine. Sure. He was terrific. Complete game. Super exciting. Efficient, strong. When he left after the sixth, I thought, oh, we're not going to see him back. again. And then after the seventh, I thought, we're not going to see him again. When he came up for the eighth, I thought, I bet he finishes. So it was really, Very really good. great. Very and good. he was a boss at the end. Was like he? the ninth inning, he came Boom. out. He was like, Boom. kaboom it. Own it. Mitch Keller. Fabulous. Really, really good. Let's go, Bucks. I'm going to the yeah, game tonight. Yeah. I'm going down I to envy PNC you Park. totally. I wish Thank I you. could. Yeah. You were asked, but uh, I know. you're otherwise I had engaged. to reject it. All right. We'll take a quick break. We do come back. We're going to talk about uh, Canada and euthanasia. Dr. Charles Camosi joins us. That's next. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. 101.5 WORD. When God created us, he had a purpose for our lives. I'm Alan Jackson. I have the privilege of joining you each weekday to open our Bibles together. The Bible tells us that God has made us what we are. And in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. Join me and let's see what God has for us today. A fresh look at scripture weekday mornings at 930. Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 WORD. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, he is my refuge and my fortress, for he will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 8:36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Are you tired of high telephone bills and below standard service while waiting forever on hold to talk to a real person about your phone system? This is Don Hoder with South Point Telecom. With 30 years' experience, I can answer your questions and give you a quote over the phone in minutes. 
go to southpointtelecom.com. We also install security cameras and door access. That's southpointtelecom.com. southpointtelecom.com. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into your retirement blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Dr. Charles Camosi is back with us. He's been a regular guest of us uh, show over many years. He is um, here today to talk about Canada and uh, euthanasia. Charlie, welcome back. How are things? Hey, John. Hi, Kathy. Good to be with you. So, Charlie, um, people often say, you know, Canada is just like northern uh, United States. Uh, in, <laughs> it, in this case, though, it does seem like there's a different uh, level of, um, I don't know, the, the embrace of trends when it comes to euthanasia and abortion in Canada that there is here in America. Can you talk about it? Yeah, it's actually one of the things that I wanted to ask both of you about. I, as as a moral theologian and bioethicist, I think a lot about, you know, uh, the, what's often called our post-Christian culture and wondering if that's a little bit, you know, exaggerated in the United States. It, it, it may not be exaggerated in Canada, though, where we just got some numbers based on what Canadians think about what I like to call physician-assisted killing, um, because often it's not at all like so-called medical aid and dying. And the numbers just are so obviously reveal a revealing of a culture that has rejected Christian ethics. I mean, let me just give you a couple examples. Okay. So, so um, as you and your listeners may know, the Canada legalized physician-assisted killing, you know, a few years ago, and they've been seeing this dramatic increase and all different kinds and attempts to get disabled people, uh, you know, available for this and, and all that, and even children. So, so they, so this company, Research.co, did this um, survey of Canadians, and they found that 27% of Canadians thought that people should have access to euthanasia because they were impoverished. Forty-one percent. Wait, 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 people wait. 18, let me let me back up a minute. They should have ex- access to it because they're because they're poor and they shouldn't want to live. Well, it, the 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 poll doesn't get that specific, but basically the question that's asked of them is: Do you think because of poverty somebody should have access to uh, physician-assisted suicide? Now we don't know what's in the mind of somebody who says this, like. For instance, one of the cases that's come up um, numerous times in Canada is somebody who has a very kind of like uh, terrible allergic reaction to the paint in their in their house or in their 
often they're you know kind of like um, affordable housing unit or something like that, and they they're in misery. They're they're uh, they can't even really stay in the house. And the Canadian government says, well, this is what we have for you. You can um, leave it if you want, um, but we're not going to be able to provide other kind of housing for you. But if you want medical aid and dying, we'll give you that. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, no, that's that's for real. That's happened more than once, actually. So, um, so that would be one example of. I mean, another example is homelessness, poverty. They were asked about all these things. But but think about this. You would imagine young people would be most against this, like how abhorrent, how ridiculous, how awful. Actually, it's much higher. So, 27% for Canadians overall. 41% agreed with it for poverty between 18 and 34. So the the younger people in Canada apparently. Um, think you, that, that this is legitimate. You say, well, yeah, I guess I can kind of understand. It sucks for you, maybe, that you can't have the right housing or you're homeless or disabled. Get this, 60% among 80 to 34 Canadians, 18 to 34, think it should be available for people who are disabled. Um, wow. Right? So, and and as, as we've talked about on the show before, I think multiple times, the strongest um, you know, opponents of physicians as a killing in the United States are, of course, the disabled community. So they've been able to stave it off in many states. You wouldn't expect it to be, too. But these numbers just struck me when you asked what we might talk about today. I thought, gosh, these numbers are so striking. I mean, it's almost unbelievable. Right? It's almost unbelievable. It is. So if Wait, you... is that just misplaced compassion? Or lack of empathy? Or, psycho... or too much? What, what's... I can't make sense of it. Well, I, I mean... I mean, you, all three of us are very strong Christians, so we have our, you know, sort of Christian DNA built into us in a way that makes it so difficult to imagine. But but if you can kind of get in the head of somebody who doesn't think of inherent human dignity, right, and doesn't ha- doesn't say that all human beings um, have a valuable lives regardless of their level of suffering or disability or whatever, you can, and certainly do- doesn't have a, you know, a, a commitment to nonviolence that, of course, Christ commanded all Christians to have. Then you can kind of understand. Well, you know, is it really? If you have this miserable existence, are you choosing between, you know, living every day in a in a housing unit that makes you like basically vomiting, you know, all day long, and and you could choose to be homeless, I guess, but you can't afford other kinds of housing. You know, maybe somebody should have the access to, to something like this, or or you're so disabled that you can't really. Another example from Canada that came up is. Um, a disabled person wanted a wheelchair ramp for their house because they needed it to kind of get in and out based on the progression of their disability. Yeah. And they said, we were not, well, we can't, we can't build you a wheelchair ramp, but we will pay for you to, you know, to go into this institution. That and the person is... said, well, I can't. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, they said, uh, we will pay for you to go to this institution. And they said, well, that's just as good as dying. I need my family around me. I need to be here. I need to be there. And they said, well, if you don't want that, we can offer you medical aid and dying. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, so you can say, like, just do a utilitarian calculation and say, well, maybe, I mean, this kind of is a horrible existence. But, of course, for those of us who are focused on justice, those who are focused on human dignity, say we need to change the social structures. We need to change ourselves, right, <laughs> to recognize God's image in these most vulnerable people. Jesus himself is in these people, right, Matthew 25. And and then what we need to do is 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 make space for them so they don't feel this way. But in a culture that doesn't have those values, you might say, well, that could be expensive, that could be difficult. And if it's their choice, right, this all gets framed in terms of choice. If it's their choice, who are we to tell them it's not their choice? So, Charlie, 
Do you know the mechanics of the process? If someone goes in and says, you know, the paint is making me sick and I have no other option, is a prescription written to die? Well, it's, it, it depends on the Canadian province you're in. But in general, if they can get two physicians to sign off on this, uh, it can be done. And you don't need to be actively dying. You don't need to be in a situation like in, in most cases in the United States where we have this in some states, as you know, you have to be uh, two doctors have to say you're within six months of dying. But one of the things that has happened in Canada, I think in part because they aren't so far down the they're, they're much more further down, rather, the post-Christian culture, they don't have these kind of limitations. So if it's just straight up no chaser autonomy, right? Your again, your choice, your body, your life, your death, you get to decide who is anybody else tell you what to do. The kind of safeguards that we would maybe put in place here are still like six months and you need to be dying. Canada is slowly eroding those. Uh, maybe even slowly is the wrong word. Fat quickly eroding those. You don't have to be dying. In fact, you could just be disabled, right? Say my life isn't worth living right now. I just I just want to die. Who are you to tell me why I can't die? I can contract with this physician to die if I want to. Who, who's anybody to tell me that? And so I guess in theory, um, John, you could you could say, well, some physicians might deny them this and they do. But it's very simple to just go doctor shopping, essentially. To sure, sure. To and, and then what happens? I mean, do they give you uh, pills? I mean, how does the, how do they actually kill someone? Yeah, usually it's through, um, you know, not lethal injection or something like that, but you would drink something that would that would first put you to sleep and then kill you. you know? Wow. So, Charlie, what you're getting at is that the uh, we're downstream with these decisions. Right. And right. so uh, upstream of these decisions were years and decades ago. Uh, in Canada when their uh, li- their culture of life eroded. Do you know anything about that history or kind of like, a, a, a to me, what I would look at as a cautionary tale? Yeah, I mean, I, I just know the basics. I'm not a student of Canadian history, but I, I know the basics that, especially in comparison to the United States, right, we had a founding that was explicitly focused on a religious uh, identity, right? I mean, it's in our founding documents that we are endowed by our creator with inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? And that that, that makes us not necessarily unique, but quite different from Canada, which had a very different, very secular uh, founding. Now, I'm not so sure that in, you know, and this is part of, I actually don't, honestly don't know the answer to this question, but one question I do have, an honest question is like, how many people in the United States actually believe this, that there is a creator who has endowed us with inalienable rights, and uh, I think it's still a fairly high percentage do, but way less than than used to, especially among young young people. And in Canada, this has been a well advanced practice for some time. So there is no sense like what what would possibly ground the idea that all people are equal, right? right, right. We we have Christians have an answer, right? We are endowed by our Creator, and we're made in the image of God, right? That's so. But if you if you drop that, and that was the whole point of my book, Losing Our Dignity is when you drop that, you really lose any sense of radical equality, any sense of radical human dignity. And you're, and then you're making these utilitarian calculations, right? Like, I mean, it's no accident that Canada has a socialized healthcare system and they have limited resources, right? One, another example for somebody who's, who, uh, who often, the kind of person who gets asked if they want this, quote unquote, is, uh, is, is are people who are on waiting lists 
for various kinds of surgeries or other medical interventions, like spinal fusion surgery for somebody who has terrible back pain, right? They need, they need this. The waiting lists are years and years and years and years long. And especially if you're vulnerable and you can't say, go to the United States or go to another country to get it done, you're in these you're horrible pain for years. And, and what's ha- starting to happen now since, since this was legalized is people will say, well, you know, it doesn't look like you're going to get this anytime soon. Would you like medical aid in dying? Wow. So this is all done then in the name of compassion, right? I mean, Canadian citizens right. or the Canadian government would look at this and go, we are being kind to our citizens. It's not as though we're psychotic. Uh, we we want to help people be as happy as possible up to their final seconds. That's right. So I, you know, especially as an academic who tries to make arguments to convince people who disagree with me, I spend a lot of my time trying to think about how people who disagree with me about these things think, right? And how best to kind of tailor arguments um, and ideas and, and rhetoric to be heard by people who disagree. And you just you just nailed it. I mean, that's exactly the way that they think about it. They're often the, the, the kind of, especially in the sciences and in medicine, there's this kind of default utilitarianism, right? Because it seems it kind of sounds like it's systematic or maybe math based, or, you know, you can kind of calculate the most good you can do or the most negative and, you know, come up with some kind of like rational kind of response to these questions. And again, they've lost any sense that there is a theological claim here on us. There's a theological reality here that has a claim on us. And so kind of utilitarian consequentialist calculations are all they have left. So from that standpoint, you might imagine that this makes good sense. Yes. But if you have, if you have a focus on, Christ commanding us to see his face in the least among us, it's, it's abhorrent, obviously. Yes. So, Charlie, you as a Christian and as a medical ethicist, I mean, you have contemporaries in Canada. Uh, is there conversation with other people uh, from across the border? and uh, Or is this just, you know, uh, this is just how things are going to be? There is conversation, and um, I guess some people have been surprised in Canada and elsewhere who are more secular have been surprised at how fast this has gone. You know, we've had we've had this in the United States for some time now, in in, in Oregon since the '90s and other places for a few years, and we haven't seen this kind of slippage. I think because we still have kind of you know commitment to these theological principles, whether explicitly or not, we're still kind of there. Um, uh, the, but the but the slide in Canada has been way faster than anybody is imagined. And and the one thing that has broken through, I'll give them this much credit, is they were supposed to a few months ago um, have uh, physician-assisted killing be available to people who are just simply disabled. Like they have no other malady. There's not, they're not, they're definitely not imminently dying, but they're just disabled and they want so-called medical aid of dying, which is a misnomer. It's physician-assisted killing of, of the disabled, which of course, if we pay any attention to history, is just a gargantuan mistake to even imagine that, right? Given what happened in Nazi Germany and many places. But but what they did is is they got enough pushback from disability rights groups to say, let's pause this for a year. So until next April or March or April, I can't remember, they're going to pause on this and they're going to like hear from people that they have every intention of saying this is eventually going to go through. We want to make you know, physician-assisted killing available to people with disabilities, again, because of compassion, because of a utilitarian kind of judgment about these kinds of things. But they've heard, they've heard enough from disability rights people to say, this is bad, we shouldn't do this, to, to at least put it on pause. So maybe between now and uh, March or April of next year, they can have a turnaround. I'm not optimistic, though, because the kind of language, the kind of ideas um, that are available to them to, to articulate why this would be bad, 
just don't really exist anymore. Wow. That's Dr. Charlie Camosi. You can find out more about Charlie or read his work. Beyond the Abortion Wars is one of his seven books, Resisting Throwaway Culture. His most recent is a book called Bioethics for Nurses. Um, Charlie, thank you for joining us. I wish, yeah, sometime we really do need to talk about a happy topic. I know. I was texting with John. I said we could talk about the National League and the Pirates and the uh, the, new, the new rules for the National League. But he, he wanted to talk about this. So you know, here, here I am. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Bye, Charlie. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Hi, I'm Olivia and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JMD waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JMD waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. If you have certain chronic conditions, such as heart disease, asthma, diabetes, and you're 19 years of age or older, 52, 36, 42, you may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I'm going to ask my doctor about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Right, 724-NEW-ROOF. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Auto insurance companies can be a target for fraudsters who shop for accident victims who may or may not need treatment. Don't get involved in insurance fraud. If you're in an accident, talk to your insurance company first. Don't provide your insurance or personal information to someone that solicits you. If you are injured, only deal with legitimate medical professionals and facilities. If you suspect medical fraud, call us at 1-800-TEL-NICB or visit www.nicb.org. A public service message from the National Insurance Crime Bureau. Tonight we'll see mainly clear skies. Expect a nighttime low of 43. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and pleasant. It'll be a great day to be outside. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 72. Tomorrow night, we'll see clear skies with a low of 47. As we look to Thursday, mostly sunny skies. It'll be nice. We'll reach a high Thursday of 79. 
With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Rapture anxiety apparently is a thing. Now, I, I did not grow up uh, with rapture theology. I, I did. I, you did? You, uh-huh. you read Left Behind? No, Left Behind came out after I was already out of high school. So, so I didn't. Wait, but read. rapture I, theology? Mm-hmm. Talk when about I, that. Um, when I was growing up, I was in a mainline Presbyterian church. And so it was not a huge uh, mo like subject of teaching from the pulpit or anything like that. But at youth group, we uh, saw the late great planet earth, which was Hal Lindsey. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember that night very well. It was probably in seventh grade when I saw that. Did it scare you? To death. Uh And I read several books about it. I mean, it was a, it was a topic of great discussion when I was in junior high and high school. Amongst kids. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, the Washington Post uh, published this uh, this article uh, that says, essentially, rapture anxiety is a thing. And it's funny that many of the people, they interview probably 10 or 12 different people in this article, and they all say similar things. When I was a child, I was taught this, either through the late Great Planet Earth or the Left Behind series. Mm-hmm. Some people go back to their grandmothers who, you know, before Hal Lindsey and all that, that, you know, they had somehow concocted or been involved with yeah, certain, a group. Deno- certain denominations depending on their perspective are right. really into it there's a story you know so they're telling all these different young people's stories a, a guy's 23 he said when he was like 13 or 14 years old he went on a farm tour but he went to the bathroom when he came out of the bathroom the farm tour had moved on and no one was there and he was convinced it was the end of the world and he said he had like a psychological meltdown and any number of people tell similar yeah. stories to this. Yeah. That all of a sudden people disappear and they think, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, another woman in here, you know, she's in her late 30s. She said that she used to sob when she was a child because she thought, I'll never get married. I'll mm-hmm. never have a child. I'll never have children. Mm-hmm. Life is useless. I'm just waiting for the end times. Yep. That's horrible. I remember thinking when I was little, you know, my my parents weren't united in their faith perspective all the years i was growing up they became united later but um someone's gonna be left behind oh yeah my dad is gonna be left behind that's what i thought i mean that that tortured me as a child that's a lot you would hope that youth groups are a little better equipped yeah right i mean yeah i agree that was you know how ideas are fatty (laughs) <laughs> yeah. F-A-D-D-Y. Right. I mean, yeah. you like to think, oh, no, we're just pursuing the truth. Well, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Ideas come to the fore and then they kind of are dissected and digested and then some of them fall away. And the, I, I, it is hard for me to believe that there wasn't an adult in my sphere yes. who was who was um, who would be saying to kids, you know what, if there's any part of your eschatology, which is your end times theology. If there's any part of your eschatology that is fear inducing, it's the wrong one because Jesus will win. Yeah. Everything bad will come undone. That's the beauty of it. It's, I mean, it's like being afraid of any other thing in life. Yes. Bad things are going to happen, but in the end he wins. Right. 
So have no fear. Have no fear. Have no fear. But that whole comfort one another with these words. But you know, you in seventh grade or whatever, everyone's going to disappear. My parents are going to be separated. And I couldn't even talk to my parents about it because I, you know, right? Exactly. Rapture anxiety. We'd like to know about your stories. Email us if you got a story about that. We'll talk about that later. 101.5 101.5 WORD. You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. I'm your number one fan. That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up. We're big fans. Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. 15% off on all full roofing and full siding replacements signed in the month of May. Minimum size requirements apply. See website for details or call 724-NEW-ROOF. Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks. We just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempt to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800-900-8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. I'll never forget my first pair of Jordans. I mowed neighbors' lawns all summer to save up because I was certain those Jordans were going to make me touch the rim. But then the new shoe blister, to which I gritted my teeth and kept wearing them. Because blisters go away, but brand new Jordans are forever. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And this is exactly like buying a new home right now. Interest rates are higher, an annoying short-term blister. But home prices have come down quite a bit, creating a big opportunity. Because interest rates can go away, but the price you pay for a new home is forever. We've got hundreds of listeners buying their dream home now while prices have dropped with a plan to refinance the interest rate blister down the road. We have a direct lender advantage that can often get you a better rate and we provide a $1,000 lender credit at closing to all our radio friends. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a blessing for 1330. Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? right call. 724 New Roof. It's part of the American structure, isn't it? To get your first job, stick around for a little bit, look over the fence and see another opportunity and think, Oh, that looks more. Uh, that's more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's more money. I'm just going to keep up going the ladder, so they say. So uh, the question is that uh, Amy D. Michelangelo joins us with is: Is it wrong 
to switch jobs just for better pay. Amy is the author of A Hunger for More Finding Satis- A Hunger for More Finding Satisfaction in Jesus When the Good Life Doesn't Fill You. Uh, she also uh, blogs and uh, has a website. We'll talk about that as well. But Amy, that's a great question. Is it wrong to switch jobs just for better pay? Thanks so much for having me here. Um, I think it is a good question to be thinking about. And it doesn't have a a simple, clear-cut answer because it's going to depend on so many factors. So um, I think the most important thing is that Christians don't view a job with better pay as sort of the ultimate thing that they're chasing. Um, Even though the the article that I wrote through didn't talk about other factors where maybe you take a job with more money, but it takes too much time away from your family, or it requires you to move and leave your church family. There's so many different factors that we need to think about. But even if it's just sort of like a lateral move to uh, just a different company, but you're still in the same place, still in the same church, and, and all these other things are the same, it still might not be the right choice. Um, because Sometimes God might have us in specific places to move and impact people within whatever company or business we're working for, for the sake of his glory and for the sake of his mission. So if we're always looking at money as sort of the ultimate thing to chase, we're going to miss out on other opportunities God might have for us. Yeah. Uh, Amy, can we back it up a little bit and talk about the things that we should consider. Like, what are the questions we should be asking ourselves if we are either considering looking for a job, leaving for job for more money, um, or we've been offered a job and we're not sure whether to take it? Yeah. All right. So say you're, you're given that choice. Yeah. One, I think it's important to see, like, this is a privilege. A lot of people don't even have choices. So to have a choice, just recognizing, like, this is not a right. This is maybe a privilege that God has entrusted to me. Now, how can I weigh, you know, I think sometimes as Americans, we can think too much like, oh, any open door is something I should go through. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily. So I think questions to ask would be, what relationships do I have at my current job? How has God been using those relationships? And would a change, if I leave this job, would it significantly impact either those relationships or even the company that we should, um, you know, have some sense of if you're working in a maybe a school district that is already understaffed with teachers, it might be uh, wise and godly to consider, well, maybe I need to at least stay through the end of the school year so that I'm not putting my classroom um, into this hard situation. Another thing to question would be, what is driving your motive for more money? Mm -hmm. I think we can flatter ourselves and sort of be like, well, it's not greed. It's not greed. We always think greedy people are the people who are richer than us and have more than us, and we never really associate it as us. And I think that's one of the dangers of greed is that we just assume it affects other people, not us. So it sneaks up. It very subtly, subtly impacts our lives. And we might not see how our drive for more money is driven by discontentment or idolatry of security, maybe thinking like, well, if only I had this much better pay, all my financial worries would go away, or my marriage would not be so contentious, or I'd be happier. You know, there's so many things that we can just put our hope in money, and money is an idol that cannot deliver. Um, so we need to really be honest, and I think the way to be honest about that is 
processing those things in community because we are so self-deceived. Someone else might be, a brother or sister in Christ might be able to notice, hey, it seems like you're always making money the bottom line. And for a Christian, money isn't the bottom line. Right. It's not inherently evil. Money could be the blessing. Maybe that that better job or that better paying job is God's provision for your family and a way that you can now steward resources for the church and for the mission and to serve in your communities and to bless your children. Like there could be all sorts of good things we can do with money, but we do need to be honest about our temptation to idolize money and put it in a place that it shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, that's really well said, Amy, because, you know, we live in this materialistic society and everybody thinks the more money I have, the happier I'll be and my life will be better off. So if the opportunity exists, I'm going to go for it and, you know, I'll let the chips fall where they may. But you present a lot of different other options here. Because depending on what part of my life I'm looking back on, um, there were times when having more money actually would have contributed to my life <laughs> like it, it, made it, made it, it, better. it would have seriously made it better um and i'm sure that's the case for a lot of people listening to the show now 100%. and they're thinking you know what i have been working at this job for x amount of time no i pay make increases exactly no cost of living right 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 crushed. and i'm just tired of it i'm tired of it and i think that we need to make allow space for that as well heck yeah Absolutely. And that's where I think we can view it as, hey, this might be God's generous provision to me that he is providing me with this other opportunity. Um, as I as I shared where it was relevant to me is I have switched a job purely for money um, because I, I was working with a kid who had autism. I'd worked with him for eight years. He felt like family. I did not want to leave, but there was a change in his IEP with the school district, and they would not fund the type of therapy that I provided anymore. So I ended up leaving that job because it was going to be such a significant pay decrease, and my family couldn't do that at that time. Now, I tried to handle that gently, but I didn't leave suddenly. I gave several months notice. I tried to help ease him through that transition. I cried tears over it. I really did not want to leave. But I had to, in that season of my life, we needed the money, and I did need to make that switch. And I saw that opportunity for a change as God's provision. So 100% agree that we can change for money. I just think we need to be thoughtful in how we think through those things and, and careful to not always have grass is greener because if maybe you do some, you make a switch for more money, that really is just a blessing to your family. It really does... Um, just bring a lot of stressors away in a, in a way that's hugely beneficial. But if you then keep chasing that, you know, there's always this illusion that if I just have a little bit more, then I'll be content. Um, so maybe just addressing, is there real contentment in my heart? And if there is, then, Hey, maybe God is, is now providing this other opportunity and I can joyfully go into that. Um, you know, God's not against, there are plenty of wealthy people in scripture who use their money in righteous ways. Yep. So yep. money isn't the problem. It's our hearts and our idolatries <laughs> and, and that that's the problem. That's really good. And, you know, it, it is true. I mean, I'm sure any number of us have family members or friends who they've moved to another position, to, you know, to make more bank. And then they're absolutely miserable there. But, you know, yeah. that, that was the deal that they made. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that would definitely be where, you know, it, if there are it's rare that we're given an opportunity where it's just, hey, same amount of work and more money. It's 
sometimes we get that, but a lot of times there's always a give and take. There's always something sacrificed. You need to ask yourself, like, is this going to be worth it? Making more money might bless bless my family in some ways or me as a person, you know, individuals, obviously, too. I mean, you know, rent in is astronomical. I live in New Jersey. It is so expensive oh living gosh. here. So it's yeah. hard for anyone to afford just cost of simple cost of living, not living, you know, uh, they're not living luxurious lives. They're just trying to get food and pay their rent. And, um, you know, those things. So even though with those things, you still have to ask, okay, is it going to be worth it though? Like, is this job, new job going to be so demanding that even though it takes away the stress, the financial stress, that it adds so much to this, my mental tax load and my, and it hurts my relationships because it causes me to be away so much or, um, you know, there's just not, and this is why we need the Holy Spirit. I think this is, it's important for us to remember, like, there's not a clear cut. Scripture gives us all we need for a life of godliness, gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit leads us in wisdom. There are principles to be living through, but a lot of these issues are going to come down to prayer and wisdom and mm-hmm. just doing our best to follow the Lord because no person or family situation is the same. We're going to struggle at different times in different ways. And so for one person, taking that better paying job is going to be the right thing. But for another person saying no will be the right thing. That's good. There's some wisdom there. That's Amy DiMarcangelo. She's the author of A Hunger for More, Finding Satisfaction in Jesus When the Good Life Doesn't Fill You. Thanks for joining us, Amy. Amy, good stuff. Thanks for having me. Our great pleasure. Uh, equippedformercy.com. You can find more from Amy D. Marcangelo. We'll take a quick break. Coming up next, the 10 most beautiful hikes in the world. Very nice. Boots are made for walking. Moms, wow, aren't they special? Doesn't that word just warm your heart and make you feel loved? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from The Spring House, and I am so blessed to get to work side-by-side with my mom every day in our family business. And right now, my mom and I are planning for a special day for you and your mom on Mother's Day. Every year on Mother's Day, we barbecue chicken quarters over the open pit outside with our secret butter sauce. Baked beans, corn pudding, coleslaw, macaroni salad, ho-ho cake, and more will abound inside to go along with that tasty tender chicken when i was a teenager and we first started cooking for crowds all my mom wanted for mother's day was for us five kids to help get ready to make this a special day for our guests so bring your family and come hungry to enjoy the wonderful farm fresh meal that we started all those years ago oh yeah live music and free cones for moms too let us share a little of our farm with you the spring house in 84 pa 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com This is an important notice to consumers facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt. You may not be required to pay it all back because there are special programs now in effect that will significantly reduce the amount you will owe if you qualify. This is not bankruptcy or a debt consolidation loan. These programs, which the credit card companies like to keep secret, exist to aid American consumers struggling with overwhelming credit card debt by offering tremendous savings and real debt relief. Accredited Debt Relief has established a special hotline for you to call and learn what savings you qualify for. They've helped qualify consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So don't wait. Get the relief you need during these hard economic times. For this free information, call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now. Call 800-856-4600. 800-856-4600. That's 800-856-4600. 
People always ask me, why should I call Mr. Rooter Plumbing? Here's why. Our owner, Bob Bill, learned plumbing from his father who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Rooter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412-Rooter2 today. Rama Christian School is enrolling now. Rama is a private school in Moon Township serving children in preschool through 8th grade. Recognized for its commitment to a biblically integrated curriculum that nurtures a Christian worldview and academic excellence, Rama aims to develop the whole child, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Rama is a true community of families who desire to raise up the next generation of godly leaders, also offering programs for homeschool families. For tuition and enrollment information, visit RamaChristianSchool.org. I was at a, a social event where I ran into a guy uh, who, who I knew many, many years ago, and uh, he's an old man now. I'm, he's probably close to 90 years of age. Of course, I didn't ask him, but what I remember about him is that um, he he hiked the entirety of the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. in one felt swoop. Wow, really? Yeah, and I brought that up, and, and he chuckled, and he said to me, oh, I was 72 <gasps> when I did that. Howard, I mean, holy smokes. Wow. Yeah, so of That's course, incredible. It is incredible. And there are so many wonderful places to hike mm-hmm. in this world. Yep. Um, and so I saw this... Um, this article in Outside Magazine. Do you ever read Outside Magazine? I've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's fabulous. It's I mean, like, I'm sure I've looked at it. Uh, they list the 10 most beautiful hikes in the world. Okay. Can you imagine? Uh, now, does it say what kind of level of difficulty we're talking? Um, no, it really doesn't. Although I would imagine most of these require more than a you know stroll. Or yeah. A, right? So you need gear to do this? No. Okay, so here's one in Oahu. Right. Okay. Um, four point four miles. Oh. Okay. Uh, time to tackle four hours. The city of Honolulu recently posted a pair of signs at the famed Olamama Trailhead Trailhead in uh, eastern Oahu, but these weren't a polite guide to trail etiquette. Quote: Six people have fallen to death <gasps> after hiking the first peak. Read the top place card. Holy cow. Uh huh. Please be careful as you move forward. So uh, that would make it difficult, right? Yeah. You would think that casual hikers would go, I'm taking a hike, and then find themselves in perilous situations. Okay, so that's one. Uh, The Sinai Trail in Egypt Hmm. is a 340-mile hike. It'll take you 50 days. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, how many trails do you have left, they say. Friends always ask. But how can I reach the proverbial trail's end when new ones appear each year? To wit, this trail that this this author tracked in 50 days in Egypt, the Sinai Trail. Um, Where are how, you reading from here? Uh, this is from Outside Magazine. Oh, that's right. How about from the Trans-Bhutan Trail in oh, Bhutan? Oh, Bhutan. 250 miles, takes you 35 days, and it looks extremely perilous okay who's got 35 days some people do you know that i mean the appalachian trail takes you months right right right, right. months and months if you can even do it some people just you know have the means to just disconnect the chillicook trail in alaska 33 miles two to five days 
Okay. Mm-hmm. From Battlefield Paths to Appalachian Gaps, I love historic trails. And this trail, the, uh, the Chinook Trail in Alaska, is the, one of the most historic in North America. Very nice. Um, 67-mile trail, the Backbone Trail in California. Mm, I've heard about that, five days. yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't see any of the ocean. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Any interest? I mean, I just don't have that much skill. To, I'm just not, I'm not a regular hiker. Right. I mean, I like to go on a hike. I would like to spend four or five hours hiking, but I'm not trusting myself right. to do well in any kind of even remotely perilous environment. Plus, those boots are going to mess up the pedicure pronto. <laughs> so don't even go there. You got to be careful, John. Cost a lot. WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Lay the Word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Now code ERIC. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Get limit talks scheduled for later today at the White House between President Biden and top congressional leaders. As the president and leading lawmakers from both parties prepare to meet, there's growing pressure for a resolution. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the nation's largest business association, is calling for a swift bipartisan agreement on the debt limit. The clock is ticking on the government's ability to meet its obligations, and without a deal, there could be an historic default. What else corresponded Greg Cluxton? The Super PAC promoting Florida Governor Ron DeSantis plans to have dozens of staff in place in the first 18 states on the GOP presidential primary calendar in the coming weeks. The move by the Never Back Down group indicates DeSantis is expected to make a 2024 announcement very soon. This is SRN News. It took a panicked run on a major bank to lead to the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history. And Moody's just downgraded the entire U.S. banking system from stable to negative. Just a reminder why many people diversify their portfolios with something tangible, something that doesn't need bailing out, something that can't vanish into thin air. Learn the truth in Swiss America's shocking report, The Secret War on Cash. This all-out war against cash is a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. You must read The Secret War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling or texting 800-630-1495. That's 800-630-1495. This all-out war on cash, digital forms of currency, too, is growing daily. So please get and read The Secret War on Cash, free to Salem listeners by calling or texting now at 800-630-1495. Make sure you mention Salem when you call or text 800-630-1495. At Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont, you can look perfect at any age. Safe, fast, and completely non-invasive. Chilled to Perfection is your all-natural way to target stubborn body fat, age spots, cellulite, acne, hair loss, and more. For a limited time, get a cryoskin treatment in the area of your choice, plus cryofacial for just $2.49. Defy your age, where your results are their business. Visit ChilledToPerfectionPGH.com today. South Point Telecom specializes in electronic chimes for your church or community center. Replace or upgrade your existing bells with affordable, high-fidelity musical carillons. This is Don Hoder with 30 years' experience at South Point Telecom with audio, video systems, office phones, and computer cabling. 
Phone me now for a quick, affordable price. 412-646-6262 or go to southpointtelecom.com. Every day is a great day to play around at All About Golf in Butler. The new ping lineup is here. Stop by the Pro Shop and check out the all-new line of ping putters and get newly reduced deals on ping G425s for a limited time while supplies last. All About Golf Bays equipped with top tracer technology are open year-round. 8 to 8 daily, rain or shine. Plus lessons for every age and skill level to help you master your game. All About Golf in Butler. Practice, learn, play. Visit allaboutgolfpa.com. Have you ever wondered how, as a society, we have come to value freedom, human rights, compassion, and equality? Some people think these values are innate, natural, and universal, but history tells us a very different story. The book, The Air We Breathe, examines how these values can be traced back to Christianity and the world-changing impact of Jesus' teaching. Request the book, The Air We Breathe, today at truthforlife.org slash donate. Tonight we'll see mainly clear skies. Expect a nighttime low of 43. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and pleasant. It'll be a great day to be outside. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 72. Tomorrow night, we'll see clear skies with a low of 47. As we look to Thursday, mostly sunny skies. It'll be nice. We'll reach a high Thursday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Welcome in. Kathy Emmons from the Word FM studios, sitting across the table from John Hall. Greetings to you. And um, if I had eyes in the back of my head, I could see Lexi Merritt. Lexi, there she is. Who's Hi. keeping the trains running on time. Hi, Lex. Hi, Lex. Uh, so, question for you. Yeah. When you... Um, Ha- when you were a kid, yeah. and say you were waiting for the bus, mm-hmm. which you took a lot when you were a kid. I did. What would you do while you were waiting for a bus? Well, my method was a, a little different in that I chose not to wait for the bus. Why? I would walk and always look over my shoulder. And then oh. if I saw the bus, I would run quickly to the next bus stop. It, okay. So I would, you know, just keep moving. Okay, so you just hated the waiting around. I don't want to stand. I hated standing there. Yeah. Lexi, when you were a kid, if you had to wait for a bus or something else, what would you do? Uh, I would read a book. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. Or once I started getting a little older and uh, my mom bought me, like, a video game or, mm-hmm. like, a handheld, like, the DS, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I would do. Me and my friends would play at the bus stop waiting for the waiting for the bus so that okay. was the best of both worlds yeah way. you had the book at one point and then you switched over to the electronic mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in some is dire cases i was doing homework <laughs> yeah <laughs> because furious needs, needs must um okay so and you you uh i would always be reading a book okay and that was as much it wasn't because i was trying i i was erudite it was because i was trying to get out of an uncomfortable situation the social thing yeah right. i mean i just didn't have friends on my bus stop <laughs> and so well, I had well, to. Boys ass- were throwing rocks at right. you. Right. Gary Schwer and Mel Jugan. Mel. Gary. Let's call those guys. Uh huh. I'd like to. Um, and so they. It just wasn't. It, it was a place where I felt insecure. 
And so the way that I managed that was very the nose in was the book. Was to read a book. Right. Now you were telling me that you were driving by a group of students waiting for the bus just yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so I was uh, in Squirrel Hill, and um, I'm at Forbes and Murray, and there are I counted eight kids. Now these were college kids. Everyone had their you know their eyes on a phone. Mm-hmm. Everyone. No one had a book, and they were all scrolling, right? And th- that's just. And I'm not making any. I'm I'm as guilty as anybody about this. But I see that, and it kind of breaks my heart. And I'm not quite sure all the reasons why, but I feel like I, I told you this before. I had a ballet teacher, Cecil Kitkat, who would always implore us: lift your head and look up, look up to the balcony, mm. right? Keep your head up, because there's all much, all everything to see out there, right? Cecil. The Washington Post has a story today by Donna St. George about students not being able to get off of their phones. This is how she begins the article. When students returned to school during the pandemic, she writes, educators quickly saw a change in their cell phone habits. More than ever, they were glued to their devices during class. Mm -hmm. They were posting on social media, YouTube, texting their friends, whatever. So... This year, schools in Ohio, Colorado, Maryland, Connecticut, right here in PA, Virginia, California, and others banned the devices in class to curb the student obsession. Um, We basically said, this has got to stop, said Dayton Public School Superintendent Elizabeth Lawley. We've got academic issues that are not going to be fixed if our students continue to sit on their phones. So some school systems, the article goes on to say, already had a cell phone ban, uh, maybe before the pandemic goes. But the pandemic did bring more urgency to other places that didn't have any rules or had lenient rules. Some invested in ways to handle the phone as it was coming into the school. So lock it up as soon as you get here, right? Um, Others said, keep your phone where I can't see it. Keep it in your backpack. Keep it under your seat. You know, whatever it is. Um, the stakes are higher after the COVID years, though, with many districts behind academically up to a year or more and doing all they can to help students catch up. Some have come to see social media as a major contributor to poor mental health. And so a string of school systems have filed suit against the platforms. But many students aren't happy with the crackdowns because they say, and of course, this is always, always the response. I need to keep in touch with my mom. I need to tell my dad where I am. I need to whatever, right? I need to, my coach texts me. My parents need to be in touch. Right, and the parents are as guilty as the kids, right? Yes, exactly. Some think the decision should be up to me as a student and not up to school administrators. Parents are split on the issue, according to the Post. Many critics insist that their kids need phones in case of an emergency. So to me, that's the helicopter parent era that we're in, is even though we know, data-wise, that phones are destroying portions of our kids' brains. We insist that they're in their We insist that they still have to have them. So the entire of my elementary and high school, or junior high and high school, my parents never once called me at school. No. I don't. I don't think my parents ever called me at school through twelve years of school. Once my dad showed up at school, but I wasn't happy about that, that's and neither a, was he. And that's another story. <laughs> it is. Um, the cell phone problem in a three thousand student system in Penn Hill School District hey. in the suburbs of PA. 
they do a quick interview here with Nancy Hines, who's the superintendent. She says uh, things got so much worse after the pandemic. And so hoping to switch the focus from scrolling to learning, the district tried to ban phones last year in the middle school. Homeroom teachers collected them every morning and locked them in these little zip bags. Mm. And then students picked up their cell phones before they head headed home. This year, they went a step further, expanding to high school. So at Penn Hills High School, students slip their phones into little yonder pouches that they carry with them all day and that they open by tapping against a magnetic device as they leave. What? That's what it says. The experience has not been perfect. Some students gamed the system by putting an old cell phone in the pouch and hiding their <laughs> device somewhere else. But generally, she says it's gone well. Do we have 100% compliance? No. But the majority of our teachers would say it's much better because there are fewer distractions. Wait, so these are little high-tech pouches? Mm-hmm. What yep. does that cost? Who's I paying for that? Uh, each one is $16. Okay, not bad. Yeah. So... I mean, it goes on to talk about a school district in Virginia Beach, a school district in Philadelphia. I just, you know, kind of fastened on the article because uh, the Washington Post focused on Penn Hills. But I guess I want to ask you, let's ask Lexi first. Lex, when you were in high school, what did you do with your phone? Um, I wasn't on it very often, but uh, we fought pretty hard in high school for us to at least have it during lunch because we weren't even allowed to have phones out during lunch. It would get taken from us. Really? Yeah. So we fought really hard in my senior year. We were allowed to have them. Um, We weren't. It wasn't like you couldn't be on your phone. Like if you had like like homeroom time and you didn't have any schoolwork to do or no reading, they would let you be on your phone. A lot of the teachers were pretty cool about that. But for the most part, if you were in class and you were like supposed to be focusing on what was going on, you had to stay off your phone. It's a little harder, at least for me, because at least the high school I went to actually gave their students iPads. So we had, um, right. So there was like a lot of stuff on that. Like it's just like a whole different ball game at that point. So you can't really buck the trend if the school's giving the electronic equipment in the first yeah. place. So. <laughs> right. But if you have electronic equipment, you don't need your phone. Yeah. So put it away. Right, Is right. Th- That's discussed in the article, too. Um, one of the people who was interviewed uh, for the piece who uh, works at uh, a uh, school system in Brush, Colorado says he sees, as a result of the ban, more interaction between teachers and students. The kids are more focused. And he said, more important to him. Then all those things, he's very excited that there's less conflict in the hall. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that could happen pretty quickly, right? Yeah. He said, and only a handful of students are second-time offenders. The majority of our students, when we surveyed them, were thankful for the ban mm-hmm. because it reduced stress in their life. Said they're not worried about what their friends are saying, at least not during school time. Some parents were critical early on, but most have been accepting. Listen, I think a ban is the best thing to do. I think it's the best thing to do for teachers. I think it's the best thing to do for students. If a parent needs to reach a kid, call the office. I feel bad for kids today. Me too. I mean, really bad. It's too much. We're like, you know, these are guinea pigs on this whole new technology. And And I don't think we as adults are doing a great job shepherding them through it. Horrible. And so look at, you know, all the anxiety, all the fear, all the mental health things. It's a direct result of what what we're holding in our hands. Feel bad for this younger generation. Okay, we'll take a break. We got more ahead. 101.5 WORD. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous.
ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on wordfm.com. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101.5 WORD. We all hear the radio ads about the IRS. They tell you to be afraid, to be scared, and they try to frighten you into calling. I'm not here to do that. Tax Relief Advocates is different. TRA is here to tell you that if you owe money to the IRS, whether it's $5,000, $50,000, or $500,000, we have a solution. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in your car, at work, or with your kids. No matter where you are, call now. 800-575-6745. Don't lose hope. TRA can eliminate or reduce what you owe to the IRS. There is zero risk to you. If we can't reduce your tax debt, then you pay nothing. Our passion is taxes and helping individuals fix their IRS problems. We have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp and an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. You don't need to be afraid of the IRS any longer. End your tax nightmare today by visiting us online at TRA.com or call 800-575-6745. That's 800-575-6745. Tax Relief Advocates. Real solutions for real people. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Studies show decades of increased taxpayer spending per student has failed to improve educational performance. Can't we do better? Pittsburgh's Christian schools say we can. If you're looking for a safe environment for kids to learn, challenge, and grow, where character matters and academic excellence is served by highly qualified teachers who partner with parents, consider Christian education. Right now, local Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees while they last at wordfm.com slash tuitions. I think a lot of us are excited to hear someone's story about how they came to Christ, what what that person was like before, and then what happened, and then where are they now? We're happy to welcome to the show for the first time. Uh, it's an amazing story. Uh, Glenn Pearson is with us. He spent 19 years as an executive vice president of a Georgia hospital association. And uh, in this month's edition of Christianity Today, his testimony is uh, prominent. It's featured as, I was the mole in a family of mallets. And uh, Glenn, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Glenn, let's start our listeners off, assuming they haven't read your article, um, with your uh, younger years. Talk about your upbringing, uh, the relationship between your mom and dad and you and your brother. Yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, you know, essentially my dad was... Uh, mentally ill, emotionally abusive. He had a couple of nicknames for me, one of which I can't mention on the air, wow. but the other was Idiot Child. Um, he left our family when I was about 12, 
Uh, he married into another family, and um, unfortunately, they had major problems that he created with them as well. There was uh, attempted suicide on the part of his stepson, and you know, I won't go into all those details. But uh, I had an older brother who uh, we never got along. Uh, turned out he was mentally ill as well. Uh, ended up committing suicide in a mental hospital when he was an adult. And uh, the rest of the family was kind of a mess, too. We had alcoholics and people that were unfaithful to their wives. Um, you know, just as I said in the article, there wasn't a healthy male in sight. So it was not it was it was pretty toxic. So you take that lack of support or guidance or wisdom or a man helping another boy become a, a solid man. And, Glenn, you write in the article that you go to college and uh, there for the first time, something is a little crack in things. Talk about that first experience about hearing the gospel. Well, it was really interesting because one of the things um, I was, okay, let me back up a little bit. I was always the smart kid in school. I was sort of the teacher's pet, the curve buster, you know, mm -hmm. the one that everybody loved to hate because <laughs> I wrecked the curve and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I always thought the Christian faith was below my intellectual dignity. But interestingly, I was dabbling in kind of occultish type things like astrology mm, and uh, seances and all that. There's a program on campus um, that was uh, it's called Do the Dead Return. And it was a, uh, it, the implication was, you know, we can connect with people on the other side and all that. Well, the joke was on me because the meeting was sponsored by Campus Crusade for Christ. <laughs> and it was advertised as such. I mean, it wasn't deceptive. Yeah. And I thought, well, what are these Christians promoting? kind of paranormal stuff. And like I said, the joke was on me because uh, the essence of the program was uh, the, the speaker was a uh, world famous illusionist named Andre Cole. And he talked about the fact that the center of the program was that Harry Houdini was the greatest illusionist in history. And he had a deal with his wife that whichever one of them died first, the other one would try to connect with them after they died. And, you know, so they had like 10 years of seances after he died and they were never able to make contact with him. So the conclusion that Andre Cole came to was, no, the dead do not return, which wasn't exactly what I expected to hear. But then he went on to say, you know, there was someone else who did return from the dead, and that was Jesus. And he talked about the gospel and how, you know, Jesus died for our sins, and we can deal with our sin problem by trusting him. So that kind of came out of left field. But, you know, the Holy Spirit had been working on my heart to the point where I didn't even think about these intellectual rejections that I had. I just knew that this was the truth and that I'd be part of that. Hmm. Okay, so great. So there's a little bit of a tiny seed that's planted as a surprise, but then there's a college roommate. This is not unusual. You guys didn't exactly get along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was interesting because um, Andre Cole said that if we trust Christ and begin a relationship with him, we can begin to see um god working in our lives showing us things about ourselves and changing us and my roommate and i kind of were in this kind of squabbling situation and we were trading nasty notes about each other publicly and uh he said something about me to the other guys on the floor which really steamed me up and interestingly the holy spirit showed me that I was the one that was the cause of the problem and you know he was just responding to what i'd started with him, with the bad relationship. So rather than being upset about, um, you know, the, the public embarrassment, I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. Maybe there's something to this Christianity thing after all. Wow. And then you had 
a, a link. I, what, what do you call it? Do you call this a dream of what? What do you? Yeah, yeah. How do you what, describe what happened what was, next? Yeah, what I was on the way from class at the end of the day, and I was going to take a shower um, before dinner, and I saw this note that he put on our door, and that's what got me so upset. And I was figuring out how to get even with him, so I went down to the shower. And I'm standing there kind of plotting as to how to get revenge. And I had this, I don't know if it was a vision, I don't know what you'd call it, but I just had this really vivid picture of me being in the attic of my mom's house uh, looking for something. And I noticed behind a, a an old metal wardrobe, there was a doorway that was kind of covered up by the wardrobe and I could just barely see the top of it. Hmm. And I, I pushed the wardrobe aside and I said, hey, there's a door that's in here that I never knew about. I pushed it open. Turned out there was a room. You know, this doesn't make any sense because how could I not know there's a room there? But you know, I, I entered this new room that had always been there that I didn't know existed. And that's when I thought, you know what? The guy, the speaker said that Jesus would begin to show us things we never knew before. And my first thought was maybe this is an example of what he's talking about. Hmm. And that's when I thought, you know, you're the one that's been the cause of the problem. So rather than being upset at my roommate, I thought, wow. You know, this might be the start of something pretty good. That's cool. Okay, so was there a moment? Was that the moment where you thought Jesus is my Lord and Savior, or did that come down the line? Well, it's interesting you say that. That's I've thought about that a lot. Um, my theology was pathetic at that point. I mean, I had almost no understanding of the gospel, uh, very little understanding of who Jesus was. And, you know, that grew over time. But I, I'm convinced that if I had died that next day, that I would have been with the Lord. Mm. So, I mean, the content of the gospel is important. I'm not in any way suggesting we don't have to be clear. Yeah. And it, yeah. it helped people understand that. But that was the moment when I said to God, OK, I don't understand all this, but I want to be part of this. So whether that counts as salvation, I'm not sure. But, mm. you know, God took me at my word and, you know. I made it in, you know, either then or subsequently. Yeah, yeah you made it in. Okay, so then uh, later on, you write a book. Uh, the book is yeah. called That's a Great Question, What to Say When Your Faith is Challenged. So, right. so talk about that and how that was received in your circle. Um, well, the reason I wrote it was that I had all kinds of intellectual questions, and I, like I said, I thought the Bible was beneath my dignity. Um, so... I was asking a million questions. They were not always appreciated by people. I think some of my Christian friends kind of had the attitude to just shut up and believe the Bible. Well, I, I do, but I want to understand it, too. Um, so this was after I spent several years on Campus Crusade staff. It occurred to me that there are kind of patterns of thought of people who reject the validity of the Bible. So I identified five mental filters that people who really don't believe the Bible use as they read the Bible to make it say what they wish it said. So two of those filters subtract from the Bible, uh, or excuse me, they add to the Bible. One is new revelation, so things like the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. the Koran, things like that. The second one is outlandish speculation where people talk about Jesus being an extraterrestrial or stuff like that. Sure. That's just outlandish, but they read the Bible through that lens. And then three uh, filters subtract from the Bible, atheism. You know, if you don't believe, if there's no God, then you have to get rid of any reference to God. Second one of those is uh, anti-supernaturalism, which says, I know that miracles don't happen. So the resurrection certainly didn't take place. The virgin birth wasn't true. None of the miracles are true. There's a scientific explanation or superstitious, whatever. 
And then the last one is what I call selective Christian theology, which is basically, and unfortunately, there's a lot of this within Christendom where people will gravitate towards all the lovely verses about loving others and all that turning the other cheek, but reject or ignore what Jesus says about, you know, God's standards. And Jesus had more to say about hell in some ways than he did about heaven. Yeah. But some people choose to ignore that stuff. So those are the filters. That would have helped me a lot as a Christian to frame my approach to the Bible to say when I'm coming across skeptical comments, which of these filters is this person using to dismiss the validity of the Bible? That's really good. So, Glenn, what I'm really curious about is, you know, uh, growing up uh, in such carnage, your grandfather, your father, your poor brother. I mean, you, you talk about this lineage of mental illness and just, you know, chaos in your life. Did you get yeah. married? Did you have kids? Hell yeah. Yeah. God blessed me with a wonderful wife. Um, we have two great kids. Um, I, I saw a counselor for a number of years and he told me um, the other headline of the story in the print magazine is that is there's no explanation for me. And that's what he told me. He said, with your background, you ought to be an alcoholic, divorced a few times, unemployable, some kind of drug addict or not. You're not. And it's strictly God's grace. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love to remind I love to remind my wife the fact I could be a lot worse than I am. <laughs> uh, but no, no, God's blessed me with a great marriage Fabulous. and a wonderful wife, great kids. So, you know, it's all his grace. You broke the curse. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So if someone's listening to this program and they, they're they the mole in their family and they've yeah. been just yeah. whacked by everybody around them, um, what's, what's your – do you have a message or do you have a, 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 a nugget? For them? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the point is, if God can work in my life, I mean, there are a lot of people that have it far worse than I do. But, um, you know, if God can work in my life and deal with these really bad circumstances, he can handle anything. There's no guarantee. Life has no guarantees. You know, God lets people go through difficult things. And I'm not one of these people that say, you know, trust Jesus and everything will work out, you know, beautifully. Yeah. But he, he will work through your circumstances, be with you, help you carry through. Even if the circumstances don't turn out the way you want, he's there and he will strengthen you and strengthen me to face whatever it is I'm, I'm dealing with. So basically the message is trust God because he's trustworthy. That's really good. Hey, Glenn, thanks an awful lot. I appreciate uh, the willingness to join us on the air and uh, the courage to present your story. It's been, it's been good for me to hear this and uh, hopefully an encouragement yeah. to those who are listening. That's my prayer. So thanks for having me on. My great yeah. pleasure. Check out Glenn Pearson's article in uh, this month, Christianity Today. I was the mole in a family of mallets. How God rescued me from a life of getting whacked. We'll take a quick break. It's our daily feature. Does this make sense? That's next. For a bunch of years now, we've been telling our story on Christian radio stations across the country, meeting thousands of awesome people like James here, who was nice enough to share this with his radio station. We refinanced our house to get some money to do some improvements. We knew we had some equity in the house, especially with the market booming the way it was. And we were going to see what we had available, see if we had enough to do what we wanted to do with our home. We had heard an ad on the radio station. And I mean, they were on top of everything. Communication was key with us. And, and they stayed right there and made sure that everything we needed and any question we had got answered very promptly. I will absolutely recommend United Faith Mortgage. Over the last few years, most of our homes have boomed in value. If cashing some of that out would help you, whether for home updates or paying off credit card debt with much higher interest rates, we 
are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a number 1330. That's the lady Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. To my newborn baby boy, the day you arrived was one of the happiest days of my life. Right up there with the day I bought my RV from that guy on the internet and insured it with Progressive. <laughs> what a deal. Just know, son, I'll always be here for you. And by here, I mean in the middle of absolutely nowhere. In my RV. Protect your baby with an RV policy from Progressive. Take as little as four minutes to see what you could save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest-rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now. Call 800 900 8,000. That's 800-900-8,000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8,000. This is Pastor Tom Hall of First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, 326th Avenue, downtown. This year, we're celebrating 250 years of God's faithfulness, making us the oldest anything in Pittsburgh, older than any newspaper, school, or business. God was working here before the nation was founded. Join us for worship in the majesty of our grand sanctuary, Sunday mornings at 1045. God's not done with this great old church. God's not done with you either. Terry Wardenis here from the Gateway Clipper. Celebrate mom with a family aboard a Mother's Day cruise, sailing Sunday, May 14th. All moms will receive a special gift from all of us at the Clipper. For reservations, visit gatewayclipper.com. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, we'll see mainly clear skies. Expect a nighttime low of 43. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and pleasant. It'll be a great day to be outside. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 72. Tomorrow night, we'll see clear skies with a low of 47. As we look to Thursday, mostly sunny skies. It'll be nice. We'll reach a high Thursday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Yeah, it does what make sense? Miracle Whip. I don't mean mayonnaise. I mean the blue top, the little like different colored label. Does Miracle Whip make sense? I don't understand what Miracle Whip's about. <laughs> Is this an existential question? Well, I want some mayonnaise, right? I want mayo. So why is there Miracle Whip? Is it cheaper? Is it healthier? No. Is what? What is it? I don't think it's actually either thing. It's just different. Is it taste different? Yes. Spicy? No. Sweet. Yeah. I I don't have it. I don't understand this. I don't. <laughs> I just don't. I, does it make sense? Why would you? I don't know. Why would it's you? made by Kraft Heinz. Yeah. Um, it's... A, it's not a substitute. It's just something different. It's a different flavor. Yeah, like you're not making potato salad with it. What are you doing with it? Am I making tuna salad? Probably no, probably not. 
what am I you're, using? You're it? using it as like a a dressing on your salad dressing. Now, well, some people use it as a salad dressing, but some people use it as a sandwich topping, like a condiment like that ketchup. you would, or mustard. Now you sort of piqued my interest. I kind of want to go and go, well, maybe I've been missing out. Maybe that Miracle Whip does make perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. It was created in 1933 as a cheaper option than mayo. Cheaper. There mm-hmm. you go. That's what I yeah. always thought it was. But it's definitely sweeter. Does it make sense to you? I like it. Oh. Now, you- here's the thing. I need, need, in a very yeah, ridiculous sense, both because they're not interchangeable. So in your fridge, now you got Miracle Whip. I have a, I have a little tiny container of Miracle Whip because okay, so. I don't use it very much. Right. I have a larger container of mayonnaise. And of course, you can make your own mayo, as Christy has said. Or Christy, like I just called her Christy. Oh, Lexi. As Lexi said. In my reading tonight, maybe I'll look up some Miracle Whip. So reading. are you saying yes, it makes sense yes, or no? Yeah, sure. Uh, Why, because you're just trying to be nice to me? No, with some caveat, because I, apparently it's been around for a long time. So some somebody makes it make sense, right? Okay. I mean, it's not a full-throated endorsement. It's not really, it isn't, no. All right, does this make sense? Men and pedicures. <laughs> now, hold on. Now, because I, I have never yes. had one. Yes, it does. And yes, it does. I'd be embarrassed. Your time is now. I'd be Why a little, would you be embarrassed? I'd just be... I just would be... Because... It'd be like hanging out with all my five sisters all of a sudden. You're Which, just, it, like you're the lone guy surrounded by, you know... And then, then and do you, people are touching my feet. Like, what do you want? I mean, what do you want out of your life? Do you just want the the comfort of the masses? Do you want the approval of everyone around you? No, but no, you want to pursue what's right for you. But I don't necessarily need pretty toes. It's not pretty. It's clean. Well, they clean makes sense. One hundred one point five W O R D. The word of God. It's bold. It's direct. It cuts across the grain of popular culture. It illuminates the mind and transforms the soul. Its meaning doesn't change. It applies to everyone, everywhere. Hi, friend. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to find out what the Bible means by what it says. Join me for clear teaching from God's compelling word every Monday through Friday right here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Hey, traders, listen up. With inflation, interest rates, and the recent banking crisis, are you nervous about what's coming next in the stock market? If you're ready to take control of your trading and predict trends instead of reacting to them, then Vantage Point is for you. Did you know Vantage Point predicted the trends of all the collapsing banks weeks in advance? Vantage Point's artificial intelligence technology analyzes massive amounts of market data in seconds, so you can predict future trends with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. Instead of using lagging indicators to make bad decisions, with Vantage Point, you can forecast market trends days ahead for better trade selection. Learn how when you text DEMO to 813-813 for a free live class. Are you ready to take control? Text the word DEMO to 813-813 and learn more today. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. By texting, you agree to the terms available at VantagePointSoftware.com and consent to receive calls and texts using automated technology about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text DEMO to 813-813. Inflation is pushing up the cost of just about everything. Food, gas, clothing. But life insurance, which thanks to inflation you need now more than ever, actually costs less today than it did a few years ago. Now is the time to get the insurance you need at a price you can afford. Call SelectQuote now and we'll help you save more than 50% on term life insurance. 
In a hurry? Don't worry. With SelectQuote, you can get up to $2 million in instant, same-day coverage with no medical exam. That's right. Get up to $2 million in instant, affordable, same-day coverage with no medical exam in under an hour. Call SelectQuote now at 1-800-507-2266. That's 1-800-507-2266. Or go to SelectQuote.com now and get up to $2 million in instant, same-day coverage with no medical exam. That's 1-800-507-2266. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Rama Christian School is enrolling now. Rama is a private school in Moon Township serving children in preschool through 8th grade. Recognized for its commitment to a biblically integrated curriculum that nurtures a Christian worldview and academic excellence, Rama aims to develop the whole child, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Rama is a true community of families who desire to raise up the next generation of godly leaders, also offering programs for homeschool families. For tuition and enrollment information, visit RamaChristianSchool.org. It being May 9th, we're nine days past the uh, conclusion of National Poetry Month, mm. which we celebrated with, I was, I was going to say great aplomb, no, but not really. Not. No, no, we came to it late. We came to it late. And then we were hit or miss. Yeah. We had an area poet with us on the air. No, we didn't. But so we, we, we did find some good poems ourselves. Yeah, so the great aplomb. Okay. No. But on May 9th, we come to him. <laughs> Misha Willett's back with us, author of The Elegy Beta and Phases. His poems, essays, translations, and academic articles as well appear widely. He teaches English at Seattle, Seattle Pacific, Pacific University. And Misha, first off, we're glad you're back. Second of all, congrats on the beautiful little girl. Oh, thank you very much. Cicely Rose made her debut three weeks ago now. Cicely I Rose. love that name. Well, Misha, whenever you sent me the photograph of you holding your new little baby, I hearken back to when our first baby came home and how the tone, the audio tone of our house changed. Things became very gentle and quiet. The newborn was in the house. You know, I hope that would be more the case this time. All this time. <laughs> That certainly happened for our first two children, and then now that this one's here, the, the older two are so excited to have her that they're, they've been basically sprinting for the last three weeks <laughs> since she came home, telling everybody, even the, the postman who comes by, they're like, we have a new sister. Oh. It, it's gone the other way for us. I That's like it. super, That's super good. cute. Misha, we're happy for you. Excellent job. <laughs> okay, so Misha, you, you wrote a piece about the visual arts, uh, the Native American iconography. Uh, iconography of Preston Singletary. Uh, tell us this story, please. Okay, so this is a, a story that I heard a really, really long time ago. Probably probably one of those myths that you hear when you're so young you don't remember where you first heard it. Um, and it's the story of the, the raven who steals the sun from the greedy chief who had been keeping it in, in a box and brings it back up into the sky so that everybody can see. So it's from the Tlingit clan, which is a, uh, an Alaskan native tribe. And it's basically their account of how the sun got there, which makes it a creation myth. Um, but what fascinated me about it is that it's also uh, an incarnation myth because the raven has – he can't just fly down and take the sun back. He has to go into the woman and make her pregnant even though she's a virgin and uh, and then get born and fly it back at the sky. He has to ascend up to the sky. So it's all these parallels to the to the Christian story. And I was trying to think about in this piece how these two different cultures arrived at something like the same truth. Misha, 
people uh, could be listening to you and, you know, you share that thought and they think, wait a minute, why are we talking about myth on a Christian show? I mean, what, what's the point of this? Why aren't we talking about a Bible passage? Sure, yeah. So, so this is something that um, another uh, writer that I'm very fond of, C.S. Lewis, uh, thought about and wrote about quite a lot. And, and his supposition was that, of course, Christianity is a myth because it has all the contours of a myth, right, with a dying and rising God, which, which predates, you know, Jesus' uh, actual physical time on Earth, those sorts of stories. But the difference is, of course, that this is the true myth. It's the, it's the myth that makes all other myths absolutely valuable because they're pointing towards the one time when it actually happened. Yeah. Mm. Misha, I remember, I think it's in Surprised by Joy, C.S. Lewis is talking about uh, trying to, this is before he came to faith, but shortly before he came to faith, I think, talking about how he was trying to get at the difference between myth and reality. And he was frustrated by it. And the thing that frustrated him most is he came to the realization that myth included all of the elements of life that he really cared about. And all of the rational things about the world were all the things that made him depressed, gloomy, and frustrated. (laughs) Right. You know, it's funny. I had a a student yesterday, and we were talking about this, and he was we're trying to say what is appropriate to bring up in uh, educational settings. Do we do it, How much do we bring religious discourse into those spaces? And this student's opinion was that, oh, well, classes, education should focus on reality. And we have all that, you know, religion stuff aside. And I, and I, I said in front of the class, I was like, well, wait, that depends on what you mean by reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because for me, and I don't, I don't think for me is the right thing to say. I think, in the abstract, in the, in the real, like, this is the realest thing that there is. Yes. So I found this um, artist who is named Preston, Preston Singletary, and I was at a, an art fair, and he made these, the most marvelous, I call them carvings, but they, you have to blow glass. You can't, you can't really carve it and says such. But he made these enormous figures out of glass, like totem poles. And I thought, what in the world is, like, how is that even possible? Because glass is heavy and it's fragile, right? Um, but they stopped me dead in my tracks because, you know, you, you see a totem pole and you think you know what to expect. It's going to be these sorts of big figures and it's going to be made of wood and probably peeling and probably outside. And none of those things were true. It was brand new. It weighed several tons. And my favorite part was that light was shining through it. So it was, and then on the top of it, there's one of those great eagles with its arms, you know, sort of spread out, its wings, looking exactly like a crucifix. And then the light Mm -hmm. from the gallery was shining through it to me, so it felt transcendent in all the ways that our good art is supposed to be, actually pointing to the divine. So how was that even possible? The the process of a totem-like structure with all that detail, it, it couldn't have been one single piece of glass, right? No, yeah, that's right. That's that's what I eventually. So I, I found the artist because I just had to know. I couldn't, you know. Sometimes I don't believe the physics. I see a bridge and I think that couldn't be that way. How is that standing up? Right. Uh, so I got a hold of his gallerist and and eventually she set up a meeting for the two of us. So I sat down and talked to him and I sort of figured it out or, or had it disclosed to me. But apparently, there's this casting process where you make each section of glass basically like two feet high, as high as you can go because of the weight. And he has it cast in Prague and then shipped back over to be worked 
uh, in, in a factory here near Seattle and stacks them all up so they look columnar, right, even though they're not quite solid. Interesting. So a very, very slow process of melted glass on top of each other? Yeah, that's right. You, you have to be very delicate with stuff. And it's funny to work with something that weighs, you know, four or 5,000 pounds, but that you have to treat like it's a teacup. You know, like it could break at any second. And so the, the fragility meets the absolute solidity of it, which, which I just loved as a metaphor because, you know, thinking about, thinking about the Christian faith, right, it's, it's the most powerful, the most true, the most real thing that there is, and yet it's also breath. It's, mm. it's spirit. It's silence. You know what I mean? Still and small. Yeah. yeah. And, and so with Preston Singletary, the nature of his work spoke to you for a lot of different reasons. What about, I mean, not that the, the man necessarily had to be a believer, uh, but there was something in there that drew you to that. Yeah. You know, it, it's a funny thing because this is a case where um, I don't, I don't think that he himself is uh, to our conversations. That's not, that's not the thing I got, but when I was asking him how he came to the stories, um, because in, in this culture, there's a single person who's in charge of keeping a story. It's their job to tell it and to pass it on to someone who will then memorize it and keep telling it after they're gone. The person who told him the story, um, his name was Hammond, I believe. He, as Preston asked him, so where do, where do all these stories come from? And, and Hammond apparently said, you know, the source of all of our native myths for our tribe right here and he, he holds up a bible hmm. this this is the truth upon which everything our culture knows is built wow oh isn't that interesting and it was really interesting because preston is telling me this and he doesn't believe that you know what i mean like right. the guy he's just carrying the message sort of like one of these storytellers he's like well, this is what i was told so so i will now tell it to you even though for him that's not he doesn't realize that that's the truth isn't but that interesting it was, it was staggering for me. I thought, aha, of course, I'm not making this up. There is something to it. Right. Well, I think one of the most delightful things about being a Christian is if you go through life uh, with an open hand or an open mind, you're surprised by the gospel in so many places. But if you've already decided where you're going to find it and where you're not, then there's, there's no surprise and it's pretty dull. Um, it seems like this is a place where you were surprised to find it. That's that's beautifully said, and su- surprised is the right word, right? It's it's Lewis's word, and why the great um, poet Stephen Curtis Chapman called this like <laughs> the great adventure. Yeah, yeah, right. He it is really a great is. Poet. It, it, there's adventure around <laughs> yeah, every yeah. hill, every corner. Yeah, I saw something about Stephen Curtis Chapman last week that it, uh, he like joins the pantheon of songwriters. I'm, I'm sure I wish I had a better, stronger hold of the details, but something that you know his songwriting prowess there there are few in secular and of course in christian media that you know that, that can ascend to the the perspective where he is i need to look look at this further but you know he was like in mainstream media for, you know wow. singled out for his uh, his songwriting skill yeah well bless him it's a gift it is a gift he is a poet isn't he in a way i think that's absolutely right i've, yeah. I've been thinking about it because my children now they got a cd player like an old fashioned cd player for yeah. christmas cool and they wake up to whatever they want. They just rifle through my CDs and grab, but they don't even know what they are. Right. And this morning it was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Nice. That's always on my mind. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so now that you've got a new baby, all <laughs> that in your life, um, does that drive, you know, the arrival of this new sweet thing, does it drive your, your poetic skill a little further? 
You know, there's a new sense of urgency about it, actually. I, I usually just sort of make poems when I can, and then I make them into a book when I can, and I'll send them out when I get around to it. I'm not I'm not terribly um, keen on the professional edge of it. Yeah, yeah. People submit a lot more than I do. I'll say that. It just has worked out pretty well for me when I do. Uh, but now there's a kind of, yeah, there's, there's some fuel in the fire. Like, I want to make things because in the way that poetry can help shape the world, I want the world to be in a certain shape for her, yes. if that makes sense. Mm, so have, yeah. you, have you written a poem for and or about Cecilia Rose? Cecilia. You know, I – no, that's all right. I call her Cecilia, too. <laughs> um, I, I can't get one for her yet because I've got another one that someone else wrote for his daughter in my mind. Uh, uh-huh. I can't write around it yet. I have to find a new angle on it. But I'll read that one if you like. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a kind of blessing for her. Thank you. This is very much for my wife right now. I'm doing the 2 a.m. feedings. And everything's all foggy-headed for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this poem, I just recognize every word of it. It's called 2 a.m. You are a moon-washed mer-personage of the first waters. Hmm. You are a showily, crucially outsprattled eagle of the startle. Moreover, you are a surefire niche market. You are nothing if not a little otter. You are a murmurous moon miss of a wriggle. You are one burped girl and no other. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so that's good. good. That is so good. Isn't that freedom when that burp comes? <laughs> that, that's a poem from my friend Richard Kenny from his book, The One Strand River. Very nice. That is really funny. Excellent. Well, listen, congratulations on the girl. Have you read uh, The Importance of Being of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde? Oh, yes, adore it. Well, Cecily, it's not Cecily, but Cecily is one of the characters. And I, my dear Cecily, hmm. anyway, that's a, <laughs> that's a big part of the story. And she's a great character. So you've named her well. You have. I'm going to start calling her that. That's great. Very nice nice. To chat with you guys. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Misha Willett, he is the author of The Elegy, Beta, and Phases. His poems, essays, translations appear widely. He teaches at Seattle Pacific University. Misha Willett, easily found online. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk, and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is a major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down Well, MediShare 65 Plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B, looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month 
No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65 Plus. Here's the number. 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. Easy Cater presents We've Got Your Back, Up Singers. Back Up Singers. So right before this important meeting, I get a text from Easy Cater that, ding, ding. that the restaurant lost power. No electricity. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But Easy Cater was like, don't worry. No they got another restaurant to fill the whole order. And I was like, are you kidding me? But in a good way. Inflection is everything. Problem with your order? Easy Cater has your back with over 100,000 restaurants. Easy Cater. Order 24-7 on easycater.com. We got your back. Hey, Mark, remember, getting help from Progressive is so easy. You can use the mobile app, chat with us online, or call us. And you pick now to tell me. I couldn't miss little Grace's ballet recital. Oh, thanks for inviting me, by the way. Did I? Because you know I'm always here for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can use the mobile app if I need help. Sorry, you're in my wife's seat, though? Oh, yeah, I gotta go anyway. (laughs) Tell Grace she nailed her chasse. Get the help you need from Progressive with her mobile app, online chat, or over the phone. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Happy National Lost Sock Memorial Day, John. Oh, boy. I know that's like, you know, funny to laugh at. Yeah. But it's a real thing. How many times have you lost, you know, favorite socks? It's frustrating, isn't it? What, what is, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a study that was commissioned by Samsung mm-hmm. to launch its new washing machine. Mm. And it found this uh, little bit of data I'd like to share with you. Okay. Brits lose an average of 1.3 socks per month and more than 15 in a year, leaving a them with numerous mismatches. That's a lot of socks. According to the uh, – with the average Brit living to age 81, uh, these cleaning catastrophes lead to the equivalent of 1,264 lost socks <laughs> over a lifetime, <laughs> which cost the average Brit a whopping – 2,500 pounds. Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something we should really think about. Oh. So um, do you have a strategy, first of all, to to reduce your loss? And when you end up with just one, do you what happens? My strategy is as soon as the socks come out of the dryer, I try to pair them. Okay. Because I know what went in. Mm-hmm. So what happens when they come out? Now – in those often instances where I am left pairless, I have like a little side drawer uh, in the dresser where I take all these mismatched socks and they're just folded in a little ball in the hopes that someday, right, someday you'll have a... Lassie will come home. Mm-hmm. Um, then I give up and throw them away. Right? Uh, I feel like I want to share what I do because I do think it's it helps a lot. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You've got the solution here? Well, I, I think I do. Tell me. Um, when I take off my socks, I pin them with a safety pin. Pin them? And put them in the laundry. See, that's too much. I'm not doing that. Why is that too I'm much? Not, just, so every member of my family on their dresser has a little bowl of safety, safety pins. safety pins. And so their responsibility is to pin their socks together before they put them in the laundry. 
And so you never lose your socks? Mm-mm. Jeez. I don't lose my socks. What the heck? It's, not, it's, it's a super easy thing How to do. How long have you been doing that? Oh, since, I don't know, 25 years. What? A long time. I read about it in a magazine one really? time, and I thought, oh, my gosh, my socks that could together. change my life. And it did. No, so I have, now i got to go out and buy a bowl. And uh-huh. I, gotta... <laughs> I mean, you can, you can get a bowl a of Goodwill. Of, it's not of, that big of a thing. A bunch of safety pins. Yep. Uh-huh. Now, my husband doesn't like to do it. Yeah, of course. But guess which guy. one of guess, guess which one of us loses socks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you'll like it because then w- there's no Jeez. there's no sorting through the laundry when it's clean. I to started try to, this day to try to pair them because they're already paired. At the end of the it's show, like the, it's the greatest thing. I'm going to get a pedicure no, and I'm going to get my socks all. <laughs> what a put great together. day! What the heck's going on with this show? The ride home with John and Kathy. A production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.